Well, if this is your first Sunday here, I'm Randy, and I'm the uh, preaching minister at Windsor Road Christian Church, and so glad that you're here this morning. We are uh, going to be looking at the very last chapter of the last book of the Bible this morning. We are concluding a journey that we have taken um, since January of the book of Revelation. I've had several people tell me that, you know, Randy, I hadn't studied Revelation before because just the thought of the book kind of scares me. But I hope that in this journey that we've taken together, uh, you, uh, you haven't been scared, but you've been encouraged uh, because we have, we know what's going to happen uh, when, when this world passes away and God invades with the new heaven and the new earth. And uh, it's, it's, it's a word of encouragement to, to all of us. And so, uh, if you have your Bibles, I would like to ask you to turn to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, you'll find that on the, the last page of your church Bibles, the navy blue books that are in your pouch, and um, so you can have access to uh, God's Word. Also, I'm going to have it up on the screen. And so, what I want to do is, I want us to... Um, what I want us to do is I want us to look at uh, the entire chapter here. I'm going to read it, and then uh, uh, we're going to see just a glimpse. Of, we're going to see a glimpse of heaven. Uh, uh, we're going to see uh, uh, what the new heavens and the new earth looks like. And, 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 and in addition to that, we're going to hear what God wants us to do, the kind of people that God wants us to be uh, until then. All right? Revelation 22 says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are, the, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Behold, this is Jesus speaking now in verse 7. Behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. And now the apostle John chimes in. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things and and when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers, the prophets, and of all who keep the words of this book. Worship God. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let him who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let him who is vile continue to be vile. Let him who does right continue to do right. Let him who is holy continue to be holy. And Jesus speaks again. Behold, I am coming soon. 
My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. This is Stanley. I met Stanley when Sarah and I were in Turkey at the city of Ephesus, the ancient city of Ephesus, one of the recipients of this prophecy, the book of Revelation. We had gone to see the amphitheater there in Ephesus. It's the jewel of this ancient city when you see it. It's, it seats 25,000 people. It was the amphitheater that the Apostle Paul there was almost you know, ripped to shreds. The mob gathered at this amphitheater and Paul wanted to go in and calm them down. But there in the amphitheater on stage as uh, Sarah and our tour guide, Hakan, and our driver, and then I entered into the amphitheater to look around, we heard this music, this, uh, this trumpet sounding, and it was Stanley playing this trumpet, and there was a music box behind him, and he was uh, uh, playing, uh, playing just beautiful, beautiful trumpet music, and you could hear it because it was in this amphitheater with, with absolute clarity, and it was, just, it was just a thing of beauty to see. And so, so Hakan, our tour guide, said as we were standing there, he said, we should go down there and meet him. He looks American. And I said, really? I said, I mean, how would you know this? And so it's like, I'm a Turkish. You Americans, we can spot you coming. We know I said, let's go down. So we go down and we uh, introduce ourselves. Do you speak English? And Stanley said, yes, I speak English. He said, well, where are you from? And Stanley said, I'm from America. And I said, I'm from America. He said, well, where, where are you from in America? He said, I'm from Oklahoma. I said, ah! I said, there is a God. I'm from, I'm from Oklahoma, man. He said, where in Oklahoma? He said, 
north of Oklahoma City, Edmond. I'm from Tulsa. I said, this is incredible. <laughs> I can't believe this. This has made my trip possible. I mean, you know, of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, you know, it's just it's amazing. And we, we, we visited and talked. I said, what are you doing here? He said, what are you doing here? So we're just touring. And, and, and we're kind of on the seven cities of Revelation pilgrimage from the you know, book of Revelation. And he said, yeah. And, and, uh, he, he, and he introduced his daughter. And his daughter uh, uh, is a senior in high school. And they homeschool. He said, we, she and I are on our senior trip. And so we wanted to take her to see these Bible sites and to take her to Turkey. And so then I asked him really the most important question. I said, I said, you were playing some Christian hymns there. Are you a believer? He said, I am a believer. He said, I'm a believer. I said, in fact, I pastor a church in Champaign, Illinois. I'm going to talk about you in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I've been saving this up. And so we talked more, and then um, we prayed and um, before we left, I said, um, how'd they let you in here to play this? He looked sheepishly. He said, well, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than it is to ask for permission. I said, oh, so you haven't asked for permission? He said, no, not at all. I just waltzed in here with my trumpet, and they haven't kicked me out yet. And so... <laughs> And that's where we left it. I said, well, Stanley, I'll either see you in Edmond or I'll see you in heaven. And <laughs> that's how it is. You know, it's like, wow, what a trip. What a trip. What a trip. You ever had those kinds of trips where you just go, wow, that was an incredible experience, you know? Uh, I got to come back home. I mean, it's not that I don't love you all. and any, You know, it's not that. It's just, it was just a great trip. Okay, now I'm just... I'm just, I'm just ready to go to heaven now. I'm ready to be there. It's, the, it's kind of the proverbial, you know, uh, I've had this great week at church camp, and now I've got to come back home, or I've had this wonderful experience at this Christian conference, and, and I've got to go to work Monday. You know, it's just, it's just kind of one of those things. I really think that's the flow of Revelation chapter 22. The Apostle John has seen this this vision of the new heavens and the new earth. And all throughout the book of Revelation, he has seen this, these two competing visions. Babylon, the new Jerusalem. Uh, uh, the harlot, the bride. Uh, the mark of the beast. This is the, the, the sealing of the lamb. He's seen these two competing visions. And that's really what's going on here in the book of Revelation. This countdown to Armageddon approach is really not helpful. What we need to know is that there's two versions of reality that we are confronted with in life. There is Satan's vision, there's Jesus' vision, and then we need to make a choice, and we need to make a decision. And John in no uncertain terms, has seen, has seen the end game. And he knows what's going to happen. He knows at the end of the day which city is going to stay standing and which city is going to crumble and dissolve into nothingness. And, and that's why I believe that the book of Revelation has got to be the best commentary on 1 John chapter 2, verses 15, 16, and 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. 
Because everything that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, these come not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires are passing away, but the one who does the will of God will stand forever. Now that's the book of Revelation, and that's what we see. We see what's standing at the very end, and the Apostle John sees the new heavens and the new earth. This multinational, multi-ethnic, multi-racial community. Revelation chapter 21 says that the kings of the nations bring their splendor in. And, and, and when you take the sin factor out, the quality of life, I mean just skyrockets. It's endless. And that's what's going on here. And John sees this glorious vision. And he just, he's drinking it in because it's satisfying his soul like nothing else could ever satisfy. And, and, and uh, I mean, has, does he even remember what life on earth is like, you know, seeing this? It reminds me of the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, that first book in the Chronicles of Narnia, where after Aslan has risen from the dead, after his enemies have been defeated, there uh, King Edmund and, and King Peter and Queen Lucy and, and, and uh, um, Queen, uh, what's her name? Susan, thank you. <laughs> They are all reigning in Narnia, and, and, and they're reigning for years and years and years. And, and, and this is beautiful, C.S. Lewis says of these four. They lived with joy, and if ever they remembered their life in the world, it was only as one remembers a dream. Don't you wonder? Don't you wonder one day in the new heavens and the new earth when we have redeemed bodies, when we have renewed bodies i wonder will we will we remember did, did we used to gather at a place at 2501 windsor road and worship on sunday do we it seems like so seems like a dream seems like seems like another world it's just a dream i mean what's i mean this is pretty real but the the world to come is so real it's, this is going to be like a dream I, I think that's what's going on here and john sees this and and this glorious, and, the, and then all of this, and you know the Chronicles of Narnia, you know what happened just a few pages after that in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. They, they went out for a ride, and they went through the woods, and then they started feeling through fur coats, and then, blop, they go back out in the, in the world, <laughs> earth. <laughs> and I think that's what's happening here in Revelation 22. I mean, the first few verses, John sees this glorious city, the river of life, and he's drinking it in, and they will reign forever and ever. And then in verse 6, like he's plopped back to Patmos. Verse 6, these words are trustworthy and true. Here we go. Let's go, John. And John's back to earth. He's got to go back to work Monday morning at 8 o'clock. He's been to the mountain. He's got to go back to work. What do I do now? What do you do? What do you do when you've had a taste of heaven? You've tasted heaven. Now what? Now what? Well, that's what we learned in this chapter. We, we learned the answer to that. Now what? Here's what God wants us to do. Now that we've tasted a vision of the new heavens and the new earth. And here it is, church family. Listen up. It's a one, it, this is a one-point message, okay? This is what God wants of us. This is what God wants of Windsor Road Christian Church. This is what God wants of your life and of your heart. Here it is. Because 
the new heavens and the new earth are there. Here's what, here's what needs to happen now. This is what Jesus wants. He wants us to get the laundry done. Okay? He wants us to get the laundry done. That's, that is what verse 14 says. Oh, yeah. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Who wash their robes. I, that's what Jesus wants. I want, I, go get your clothes washed. Okay? Go wash your clothes. Go wash your robes. Blessed are those. Some of you are saying, let me see that. Is that what that says? That's what that says. Okay? Janice, I wouldn't make this up. <laughs> Blessed are those who wash their robes. Blessed are those. This is the seventh. Blessed are those in the book of Revelation. The seventh one. Oh, the Revelation is full of sevens, right? Seven, sevenfold spirit, seven cities, seven trumpets, seven seals, seven bowls, seven thunders, seven Blessed are those. And the seven has to do with completion. I mean, after this, it's, it's, it's as good as it's going to get after the seventh. And so this is the, this is the, this is the big blast beatitude, the seventh beatitude of the book of Revelation. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Let me unpack this a little bit. Let me explain this a little bit. What do we mean by, well, this is not a new image. In Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, we read about those martyred believers about whom the angel says, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have persevered. They have overcome. And it says, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Now, you can yank this verse out of context, and it's, you know, it, those who wash their robes that they may have the right to, into the tree of life. It's, it's, you know, you can yank this verse out of context and you can misunderstand it and misinterpret it. Uh, you know, here we've been reading all throughout the Bible that we come to God by his grace through faith and now the last part of the contract in the last chapter, you know, the, in the small print, now you've got to cough up some good works and, or unless you're going to, no, that's not what this means at all. We... <laughs> The, the message is not if you obey, God will love you. The message is God loves you. God has washed you in Jesus Christ. And, and because God loves you, I now can obey. Because he loves me, I can obey. Because Christ has come into my life and changed my life, that, I mean, that's going to show. He's changed my heart, and that's going to affect my life and how I live. And, and, and therefore, then, now I want you to become, I want you to act like the person God says you are. God says you've been forgiven and redeemed, that you are his heir, you are a kingdom of priests. Now I want you to live like that. God has made you that way. Now, you didn't do it on your own. He did it. Now, now because he did it now, you show that his way is the truth by living out what he declares you to be. You act like the new Jerusalem while you're living in Babylon. That's the message. Be the person God says you are. 
act like the alternative city within the city. Because we, we still live in Babylon. We still live in, and Babylon represents all that's opposed to God. We still live in that. You're going back to it. Some of you are going back to it in a half hour. God says, you be the new Jerusalem. They say, well, what's the difference? Oh, my goodness. Well, it goes all the way back to Genesis 11, verse 4. Babylon, Tower of Babel. Here's the difference between the city of Jerusalem and the new Jerusalem and the city of Babylon. The city of Babylon, 11.4, come let us build ourselves a city. See, with a tower that reaches to the heavens that we may make a name for ourselves. That's the key difference. Babylon is all about self. And when people go to the cities today, you know, what are they going? Well, we're going to go to a career to make themselves a name. They're going to, or, or, or they're going to, they're going to practice, uh, they, you know, they're going to practice their career or, or sports or art as self-expression. It's all going to be about self, self. And that's Babylon. And that's not the New Jerusalem. The New Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem is about, is about living Jesus' life in my life on a daily, consistent basis. That's what it's about. Let me ask you a question here for just a minute. Anybody know who this is? That's interesting, isn't it? That's interesting. That says something about our culture and about our world a little bit. I'll tell you who this is. That's Neil Armstrong. Last Monday, celebrated the 40th anniversary of first man to step on the moon and he was interviewed and and um he he was uh, challenged a little bit by the reporter he said why haven't you done more to to get your face out there you know why haven't you done more to get your face out there and this was his response he said well you know i guess we all like to be recognized not for one piece of fireworks but for the ledger of our daily work uh, i think that's generous because that's not Babylon. See, Babylon wants to be recognized for the one piece of fireworks so that Babylon can cash the big check and then live off the interest and, you know. But the idea of daily ledger of living for Christ, the long obedience in the same, I think, I think that describes Neil Armstrong to the T. The daily, the, the iron man, the iron lady who shows up and consistently displays the life and the love of Jesus Christ, who shows up, who shows up and, and, and uh, lives the life that Jesus wants us to live. That's what we're talking about. That's what, that's what Jesus means when he says, wash your clothes. Go, to, go do your laundry, the, da- the daily, daily work of, of showing up and doing the laundry, and, and, we're, and, and we're not talking about the Maytag kind of laundry. First century laundry was a little tougher than that. It wasn't just a matter of throwing the clothes in and pushing a button. No. Wash your robes. Show up. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Your citizenship is in heaven. Now live like a citizen in heaven while you're here on earth. The best citizens of earth should be those whose primary citizenship is in heaven. That's what we're saying. Does that make sense? You get that? You get it? When I say get it, you say God. I'll say good. Get it? 
good. Go do your laundry. Question. Who wants to do that? (laughs) Come on. I've never seen my boys stand in line to do the laundry. I've never had to stand in line to do the laundry. I don't like doing laundry. It's work. Who likes doing laundry? Why, Why wash your clothes when it's more fun to worship angels? Huh? Verse 8. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, John, I'm the one who heard and saw these things. When I had heard and seen him, I fell down to worship the feet of the angel. John is just so, oh, about the vision of the new heavens and the new earth. He just, he, this is the second time now that the apostle, apostle, mind you, John mistakenly worships the, me- I mean, you know, if an apostle could do that, I know I could be misled because it's just, oh, it's, and by now I imagine the angel's probably getting a little frustrated. Would you please get up, stop doing that get up i'm just like you get up get up that's what he says do not do it i'm a fellow servant with you and with your brothers the prophets and all who keep the words of this book worship god it listen in the new heavens and the new earth the organizational structure is pretty flat there's god and everybody else that's it that's how it works you know who why do the wash with you can worship angels? Huh? Oh. Eugene Peterson has written a really fine devotional commentary called Reversed Thunder about the book of Revelation. And he says this. This is so good. It's easier to pursue a fascination with the supernatural than to enter into the service of God. It's easier to indulge in ecstasies than to engage in obedience. People love being entertained by miracles. A religion of angels is a religion of supernatural excitement, of miraculous ecstasy. But God wants John back on Patmos. You're not done yet. I know you're in your 80s. You're not done. I'll tell you when you're done. Go back to Patmos. Because you need to deliver this message to those seven churches who live in a world which would love nothing more than to, Peterson says, than to normalize Christianity into a homogenized Roman pudding of good Roman citizenship. Wow. And we are in a culture now that would love nothing more than to make us a bland, plain, suburbanite kind of neato group that we gather and we just kind of feel good about ourselves on Sunday then go out and it's all about us and 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 Peterson says Christianity's challenge is not unbelief but dulled belief not misbehavior but blurred behavior and Jesus Christ says I don't do blurred behavior you you are either you're either in the city verse 14 or you're outside the city, verse 15. And he wants his disciples to live undiluted lives. That, that's what verses 18 and 19 are about, by the way. He, he, Jesus doesn't want anybody. Je, Jesus wants us receiving the gospel full strength. Don't add to it. And don't take out, don't do a cut and paste. No cut and paste Christianity. Well, I like this part of the Bible, but I don't like that part of the Bible. No, 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 no. No, no. That, no. It's full strength. Full strength gospel. Because you see, Jesus 
went outside the city so that we could be in the city. See, see he, he, he thirsted so that we could drink from the river of the water of life. He took on the curse for us so that we could be the one who's blessed. And he who came first in humility will come again in power and strength. And he wants us ready. I am coming soon, he says three times in Revelation 22. I am coming soon. And you say, Randy, that was 2,000 years ago. I understand that. And I also understand that soon in Revelation 22, it's got some layers to it. And one layer is this. Soon means that the return of Christ, where he comes and where he takes over, it is the next event to occur in biblical history. All the promises have been kept. There's just one left. Just one. Secondly, soon means quickly. That is, when Jesus comes, it'll be too late to change sides. It'll be too late because it's going to happen so fast. You're not going to have time to change sides. If you're a believer, you're not going to want to change sides. And then thirdly, I don't know if you knew this or not, God's time clock is different than ours. <laughs> it is. It's different than ours. We talked about this, 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord's not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So that, so that he hasn't come yet means he wants more to come. And so, you know, stop wasting your time with this countdown to Armageddon speculative stuff and get out and share the gospel. Share your life of Christ with someone. That's, that's why he's waiting, okay? Go wash some clothes. And all, listen, all of this... All of this, uh, th this is not new. I mean, even since Acts chapter 1, the apostles, John was there too. The resurrected Christ, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Huh? Come on, what's going to happen there? Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times and dates that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Huh? Jesus says, fellas, I'm in management, you're in sales. See ya. You get to work, okay? And, and so, so we are dressed and ready. We are dressed and ready and we show that we are washing clothes when tomorrow morning or a half hour from now when we go to our place of employment or when we go back to our homes, when we go to our neighborhoods, when we go to the place where God has put us, we realize that we're just, we're just not an employee. But God has put us there as his servant, as his priest, to represent him and that home, that neighborhood, that job, that warehouse, that classroom, that office, that is the church, the congregation, the pasture where God has planted me to shepherd those people there. And if you will go to work and home with that mentality, it'll change the way you see work. It'll change the way you see work. It will. Listen, what we're doing here on Sunday, church family, surely we know this. This, 
we pass the plate, we have the offering and all of that, but it cannot be about you coming and your offering supporting my ministry. You watching me perform on Sunday. That's a recipe for Babylon. What we do here is when we share and when we give and when we are in community is that we live out the ministry that God has for each of us and all of us together. And that's why we're a kingdom of priests. And that's what he wants from us. You say, well, I'm, I'm hurting now. I'm, I, I have cancer. My, my, my marriage is not as good as it should be. I don't feel, listen, God never wastes a hurt. So he wants to use whatever brokenness to help God can use that to reach people that maybe possibly otherwise could not be reached. But you've got to, you've got to get to the laundromat because that's where the lost people are. So when are you going to go there? When are you going to go there? That's the message. The message is not be ready, meaning, oh, I hope he comes when we're all together in church because wouldn't that be cool? Well, you know. Or I hope he comes when I'm doing my quiet time because, you know, it's not like <laughs> what is this like? We, we see this in the world, you know, these lazy employees who all of a sudden scurry when the boss shows up. Is that what we're talking about here? <laughs> no. No, someone asked Martin Luther, the reformer, what would you do if you knew the world was going to end tomorrow? His response was, I'd plant a tree today. Meaning, I'd be at my post. Are you at your post? The word today is, go to the laundromat. God wants you living at the laundromat. He wants you washing your robes. He wants you overcoming. He wants you enduring. And that was the word for the Apostle John. And you know what? John got back on Patmos, but he didn't stay there very long. Because in A.D. 95, the Emperor Domitian, who had put him there in the beginning, Domitian died. And John got to go back to Ephesus. That amphitheater, that city, got to go back there. Uh, complete with the prophecy for the churches. And he went back and uh, lived the rest of his life. And uh, those churches needed revelation because the next two centuries were going to be really hard. I mean, it was going to be really hard. The persecutions were very intense, very intense. For the next 200 years, that's just, I'm just saying it, and it takes two seconds to say that, but the, for 200 years, Christians would not worship the emperor. They would not worship any other god but Jesus, and they paid for it with their lives. But then right around the year 311... Christianity, they stopped persecuting the Christians. And then about 320 A.D., 320 A.D., uh, you know, it was safe. They could, they could, the, the Christians left the caves and looked into the, squinted into the sunlight, you know. And they went out into their world and they built churches and they, they healed, they, they were leaves of healing. They, they wiped tears from the eyes of their world. And the thousands of Christians became millions of Christians. And the present-day country of Turkey, Asia Minor, for, for, for the next few several centuries, was a thriving Christian community. Uh, so much so that in the 6th century, I'm buzzing through here, the 6th century, the Emperor Justinian had this 
basilica, this church building built, the Basilica of St. John. That's a model. But we went to see the remnants of that. This, that's huge. Let's look at the floor plan. That's uh, uh, top to bottom, that's the size of a foot. That's just the, that's just the facility. That's the, size of a, that's the length and the width of a football field. That's just the, that's just the footprint. It, and it looks like a cross. Many of the church buildings back then did. And you go there today and you walk through this gate and you see what's left of the Basilica of St. John. And then you go up close to this and walk through those pillars and you see this magnificent structure. and It's, a, it's quite a campus. And then you go in to the main, main hall of this basilica and you go up front to these four pillars and there's a marker there and it says the tomb of St. John. And say, well, did, was St. John really buried underneath that? Say, well, give or take an acre, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. He did his wash. And, and then he went to see Jesus. Yeah. You done your wash? You doing the wash? Huh? Church family? The word today is, here it is, let's go do some laundry. And all God's people said, amen. Our Father in heaven, thank you for cleansing us. Thank you for washing us. Anything we do, any love we share, it's not for ourselves. It's not to make us. We want to be humble servants. We want to be cross-bearing people of the living God. Jesus Christ said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. We don't want to be glorified for any good things that come out of our life. We want God to be glorified. May it be so. And Lord Jesus, I pray with believers of past and present, I pray this prayer. Come! Come!